Ah, so Bruce McLaren, nice to meet you. 60th year of, of racing here at McLaren this year, so for me it's pretty special to be starting my journey with McLaren in, in such a historic year. I won't hold the fact that he was a Kiwi against him, but that's okay. Welcome to another episode of Rear the Grid. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined by my good friend, Jashan. How would you rate the Melbourne weather on a scale of 1 to 10 right now? Uh, Watcher Matthew, I'm feeling good, but Melbourne itself is not feeling good, brother. It is shitting down rain. It is pissing bricks. It is, oh, it's brutal. It's disgusting. How would you rate your excitement levels for another Perth Scorchers Brisbane Heat Big Bash League final? Mate, I've watched zero seconds of the Bish, big, the Bish Bash. The Bish Bash. <laughs> this season. So I could not give a shit. I think I've watched like maybe 30 seconds. On this week's show, we take a bit of a more casual uh, laid back look at what's been going on. No real structure this week, but we muddle through some major F1 stories, including whether or not Ferrari has stumbled across the greatest engine in F1 history and is about to blow everyone away, whether or not the FIA be Wilden, and how Mick Schumacher is clearly the best driver on the planet. Hot damn. All that and more. But he came second. Yeah, best driver on the planet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All that and more on this, the season premiere of Rear of the Grid. ROTG4, baby! Here we are, back for another week and for the second time in 2023, I think. But yes. the first official time for the 2023 season? Yes. Is that what we're going yes. with? This, this is, will be the first episode officially... of ROTG4 in my mind. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's been... We're into year four of this. Yes. Wild. Time is a mythological illusion. Wow. We're talking mythology? We're talking Horus? We're talking Thor? Oh, definitely. Mate, I'm always talking Thor. A little Shiva action? Daddy thought. Oh, let's get stuck into it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're here today to uh, wander through a bit of off-season news and various content. We are, you know, won't pretend that we have a hard show format planned out. There's been some news. It's been a while since we've been here, and it might be another few weeks till we do the actual start getting into season previews. So, um, let's. Get stuck right I've into gotta it. I've got to say, Matt, I'm... I've got to say, Matt, the way you've introduced this podcast, if I was listening, I'd be so excited and so hyped up for this. I'd be just... Oh, they bloody better be. Nothing, there's, nothing, there's nothing more... There's nothing better than just, like, raw from the heart chats. And that's what this podcast <laughs> is going to be. Raw from the heart chats. Um, well, okay, 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 piece... okay. Just to cut you off and be a dickhead, if we're talking raw from the heart chats, how's your summer been so far? Any news? Any updates? Hot. Hot. It has been hot. Ooh. Hot, humid, generally unbearable. Fantastic. I am proud to announce that Melbourne, we had three weeks of summer. Today it is 16 degrees. It was 10 degrees yesterday. And I'm very, very sad. 
I, I, mean, I, mate, I'll fucking swap places with you. <gasps> I, I hate that your city is located where it is, and my city is located where it is, because I prefer everything else about Brisbane, except for its climate. Melbourne has the climate I want, and I mean, I guess like the massive amount of sport that I want. Yeah. But it's got too many people. It's too big. It's just too much going on. Fuck, I like Melbourne's weather. Shout out to the weather, brother. I mean, I'd argue three weeks of summer is three weeks too many. <laughs> you know? Nah, man. Three months you of summer. You take what you can get. Give me three months. Give me give me a month at least. Give me something yeah. to work with, boys. But I digress. I'll let you host now. I'm sorry. Uh, that, that is that is quite all right. I'm just going to pick a random starting point. Okay. And I'm going to go with the Ferrari engine. All right which I think we've been hearing some various rumours about. Oh, God. Going back to December, I think. Like, I'm looking at an article here from Autosport where Gunter Steiner was saying the Ferrari's 2020 F1 engine is okay. the bomb. The and bomb. this is dated December 5th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of speculation about it. I've also seen an article, hilariously, same author. Uh, to, on the 5th of December, it was Jonathan Noble telling us that Gunter Steiner said it was the bomb for Autosport. And now on motorsport.com on the 30th of Jan, 2023, Jonathan Noble is telling <laughs> me that uh, Ferrari has claimed this 30 horsepower increase or whatever is a joke. Jo- Jonathan Noble, he either, made, he's, he either made a massive transfer or he just runs every single news outlet. Well, maybe he's probably a freelancer or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. So I guess... Obviously, I'll ask you uh, to go through what you know of of this story and the stuff you've heard. But uh, also, do you reckon addressing this Ferrari coming out and saying that the the rumours surrounding how much power they found are a joke? Do you reckon Ferrari sandbagging? A Ferrari <laughs> capable of sandbagging? I don't know. I'd... Look, with Fred Vasseur at the helm, who knows? They could very well be incompetent. Yeah, exactly. But. No, in my professional opinion, as an expert on the field, obviously, many years of Formula One expertise under my belt, uh, it's all a bunch of bullshit, Matthew. It's all a bunch of bullshit. There's no point speculating on this until we actually see the engine at play and we, we get to, you know, hear it, feel it under our bones, under the asphalt. I don't, I don't think they're going to have that much of a jump because their engine last year was pretty, like, it was, it was, it was solid enough anyways. So, you know, to take that big of a step, they'd have to put a lot of effort into it and a lot of money is the key, right? And in theory, with the caps in place, like, you can't make that much of a jump. I don't know, but we'll see how we go. Maybe Gunter Steiner is a villain. Who knows? <sighs> Gunter could never be the villain. Gunter could never, ever be the villain. Despite the fact he sacked Mick Schumacher? No, he can't be the villain. He's, at worst, an anti-hero. Okay. <laughs> He's like the Deadpool of the Formula One universe. Interesting. I think the main thing they should be looking for with their engine is reliability, not extra power. They've got the power already. They just, you know, it cooked them, like, three or four times last season. So let's just not do that, all right? Let's fix the reliability first. Pace can come later. All right. If you can, uh, well, obviously we'll we'll wait and see how reliability looks like in that. Really, they need to kill both both birds with the one stone if they're gonna challenge this year. 
unless Red Bull has gone back. Red Bull have the faster car by year's end. That's fair. And the more reliable car. Unless Red Bull regresses, which is always possible, but unless Red Bull takes a step back, the only way Ferrari is competing is if they take a step forward in both aspects so mm-hmm. that they can compete more on the raw speed front yeah. and obviously not have to worry about that. It's going to be interesting because obviously we've seen so many hype things like they possibly found like an entire second of pace. If that's the case. I did see that, yeah. Watch out because this Ferrari is going to be something special. But like my my gut feeling of just how I can see that, I've thought the whole offseason I expect Red Bull's challenge to come from Mercedes because Mercedes is the organization that I have confidence in. Understandably so. Understandably so. I mean, look, look, we have to, we do need to, you know, give Fred his dues. And, like, there's a bit more excitement around Ferrari, I think, this season than there has been in previous because Bonotto was a clown and is a clown. And now they have someone at the helm who is not a clown by all intents and purposes. So the question remains, you know, is, is Ferrari in and of itself so much of a clown, you know, establishment that anyone who comes in to run it ends up becoming a clown or is fred the savior they need we shall see we shall see i i have hope in fred Vizzera. i've said along i think something different something non-italian mm. is good for ferrari if you want some mercedes chat by the way and some more jonathan noble work just quietly <laughs> so shout out to jonathan noble although co-author on this alex kalanalkis over there on motorsport.com. Mercedes tech boss not convinced new rules have made F1 racing better. That's Mike Elliott there. Who? Mike Elliott? Mike Elliott. He Mike does not Elliott. think the new regulations have, de- have delivered significantly closer racing. They've delivered significantly less Mercedes-dominated racing. That's a win. <laughs> He's probably not wrong. I don't think... They've certainly not made things worse. They haven't drastically made things better. But it was a weird hard season to judge because Red Bull ended up with just so much better of a car. Yeah. Mercedes didn't nail their eggs. They took probably a misstep with how they initially designed their car. And then Ferrari, Ferrari did. So, like... And who knows? We could that. But this season is a better test. If rather than having Verstappen win, what did he win last season? Like 15 of the 23 races or something? Yeah, one fifteen. And Red Bull... Did Perez win one or two races last year? Oh, he won Monaco. <laughs> I think he won too. Alright, so we're saying well, Red Bull won... remember the second one. <laughs> we're saying Red Bull won 17 of 23 races last year. If that becomes a more normal number, and we have Red Bull win like 10 to 12, and then Ferrari win 6, Mercedes win 4, hmm. um, I'm saying Red Bull's winning 11. So Red Bull's winning 11 races, Ferrari's winning 6, Mercedes is winning 4, that's 21 races. Then you've got... Two races going to wild cards. Piastri is winning one race on merit. <laughs> and Haas or something's winning. You know what? Sauber. Sauber's winning a race. In... Sauber, Sauber's the team winning the chaos race that we overdue for because we didn't have one last year. With reserve driver stand in Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen, uh, flowing Porsche is their reserve driver. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen's flown in because um, Porsche ate a bad baguette and had food poisoning on the same weekend that <laughs> Bottas had COVID. 
<laughs> but the point being, if we get that of a more even split, no, where it's there's not... so much in French cuisine that you could have pointed to for potential food poisoning. Why did you go baguette? It's bread. If you don't think you can get food poisoning from bread, mate, I'm. Got yeah, but you can see it. You can you. see the mold, and if he's dumb enough to eat bread that's got mold on it, then no, he doesn't deserve to be a Formula One driver. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm suggesting. <gasps> Drama. Um, the point being, if we get a more even spread, but it's not just—it was so Red Bull dominated. But if we actually have a season this year where two or three teams are properly contending, that's where we can get a clearer picture of. Because it's the thing: if we have five different teams win races and three different teams win upwards of five races, and somehow every race is still pretty boring, it's just whoever wins that race massively dominates it, then yeah, the new rules are doing fuck all. If we have that split because Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari are dueling it out on track every week, and Red Bull come out on top in terms of the win column, because right now they have the best driver and close to the best like strategy team, so they're more likely to win a fair fight a fair fight, like, machinery-wise and that, then, yeah, but, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. I hear you. Sort of what, Mike, uh, Mr. Elliot was saying, basically he believes that, you know, we've taken a right step with these regulations, but that they're nowhere near what was expected to kind of be the result in terms of close racing. And he thinks that, well, he, he, he states that Formula One are already evaluating... Um, a new set of regulations to come in in 2026 to further improve like uh, cars being able to follow each other closer in corners and then make the most of slipstreams coming out into the street. So apparently they're evaluating the introduction of movable aerodynamics from 2026. It will change the cars to such an extent that they will need new chassis regulations yet again. The next, okay, so the next thing I'm going to pull out of my hat is, well, we've seen in the last few months, Audi is making well we make oh, I don't know what I'm trying to what phrase am I trying to go for here. Audi I was gonna say making a return. I don't think Audi's ever been for Audi will be making its debut on the F one grid in twenty twenty six, right? Yes. Porsche were in then they were out and I think there are some talks they could be in but with a different team that's not Red Bull. We've seen obviously if it gets approved, Cadillac is paired up with Andretti to make a bid uh, to be a new team on the grid. Well, we've got a new announcement that has been leaked. I guess this is possibly in response, or maybe not, but it's, it's something I sort of made a comeback that I wanted to see if we were going to get Cadillac General Motors on the grid. Ford is going to be making a long... Well, I guess not when I say long anticipated, but it's been a very long time, but they're make, possibly making a return to Formula One, collaborating with Red Bull powertrains to produce engines together starting from 2026. This is a pretty big deal if it is happening. It's, it looks. It sounds like it is. It sounds uh, like it's, it's, it's all but confirmed. Yeah, Ford's one of the mate, biggest... Mate, 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 hold on. Who, who wrote the article? Damn it, it wasn't Jonathan Noble. It was a guy called Scott Mitchell Malm. I don't know if we can trust him. Oh, I'm, I'm, looking at, trust him. I'm looking at a w, uh, What the F1 article by Charlie Williams. Hey, come on now. What the F1 wasn't... It's just not what it used to be. I'm sorry. No, apparently, like, everyone hated those two anyway. That's all. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't really care about any of it. Those communities. But, uh, yeah, it's Ford's one of the world's most recognisable car manufacturers. Yeah, so having them, and this thing, if we get 
General Motors on the grid, having that Ford General Motors, the big American rivalry. I think that is good for the sport. Uh, this continues to drive, you know, that American expansion that Formula One so desires. And as I've I've said on previous podcasts, I'm all for just I like the idea. I would love to have if there there are two ways I would love to see F1 uh, progress. They're polar opposites. I don't mind which outcome we end at. I would just like to see the sport evolve to either end of the spectrum. I either want F1 to become a spec series and it's down to the driver's ability to drive the car on track and like the engineer's ability to put a really good setup on the car, a la F2, F3, IndyCar, all of that, which are all categories I think we can all agree week in, week out, typically have a much more consistent level of on-track action. Or if we're not... Go- and I have to think, I don't know whether Formula 1 ever should go down that route or ever would because it's the whole pinnacle of engineering. But if that's the case, then I want, like, be it 10, 11, 12 teams on the grid, I would like 12, you know, unique teams with at least like 10 unique engine manufacturers. I think it would be awesome if every team, so, you know, rather than having Mercedes and then also Aston Martin Mercedes and McLaren Mercedes, have Red Bull Ford, Andretti Cadillac, uh, you know, Audi, Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, McLaren Cosworth, AlphaTauri, I guess, can go with Ford because they're so linked to Red Bull. That's fine. But, you know, have Haas... I don't think Haas will ever kind of get out of Ferrari's shadow. I don't know. But beyond that, yeah, uh, sure. It'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, but, It'd be nice know, to Haas. add that more kind of individuality, a bit more variety. I see what you're saying. Obviously, Renault, yeah. So, just get up to the point. And to think, with Sauber going to Audi, that's a good one. It's really... I mean, once we're not that far off. It's McLaren getting their own independent engine supplier, and then Aston Martin, and then potentially, you know, Haas. But yeah, I'd, I'd much rather see that, have as many different engine manufacturers and that. So you've got a real uniqueness of who is making the best car engine combo rather than three or four manufacturers and that. Because in theory, like, if Mercedes is making the engine as a team and is making engines and selling those engines to some teams, they're almost always the, the new developments they come up with. That'll hit the Mercedes car first before they filter down to McLaren or Aston Martin and that. Whereas if you just straight up they have their own unique mm-hmm. engine suppliers, then they're doing their oh, own. Oh, yeah, thing. for sure. And it provides uh, more, more possibility for narratives in that as well. It's like uh, all these different relationships can spark up. Like you said with Cadillac and Ford, there's that kind of potential for extra rivalry to come up on the grid and whatnot. And it makes the whole sport a bit more interesting if that was uh, to end up being the case. It's also worth noting that this is what Ford's first dalliance back into F1 in theory since 2004, if I'm not mistaken, when it sold its works team Jaguar at the time to Red Bull, uh, which is obviously yes. Yes. Which is interesting because... Ford and Red Bull, kind of their entanglement goes back a little bit further. Sauber, in 1995, at the time, was owned by Red Bull. 
became Ford's works team. So they kind of bought it from Red Bull and sold it back to Red Bull, and now they're working with Red Bull, which is um, oh, very back and forth. But I'll ask you, Matt, of the three rumoured manufacturers to have worked with Red Bull, obviously, you know, Honda kind of expressed that they might be interested in staying on. That's no longer the case. Porsche came very close to signing that deal. Now we've got Ford. Of the three, is this your preferred outcome or, or no? Uh, I don't know whether I have a preferred outcome. All of them... Uh, I, I do very much like that Ford is going to be an F1. Um, I hope that Red mm. Bull... As long as Porsche lands somewhere else, which I hope they do, um, I honestly like pair Porsche up with like Aston Martin or something. That'll be fun. Or, or McLaren. Honda, I'd like to see Honda go back. I'd like to see McLaren yeah. and Honda. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> Try it again. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with this. I think having Ford on the grid will be cool. I uh, just think, yeah, the other day, interesting than just having Red Bull powertrains. Agree. And it should be noted they're not going to be making the engine entirely themselves. They'll be funding it, and they'll be giving Red Bull uh, expertise and consultation, mm. <laughs> basically. So it's not going to be just a full on, you know. Ford make the engine, Red Bull chuck it in there, sorted. It's it's not as simple as that. But I, yeah, I don't know. No, but yeah, I, I honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Honda get their own team slide in there. Have a twelfth. Let's go. I don't think Honda probably has any interest in running. Have their have team them again. support uh, that bit from oh, what's that freaking guy? There's there's oh the Hong Kong billionaire who wants to have a team. Have Honda support that bloke. Yeah, oh that that um that I'm all for, but I don't think we're seeing a Honda Works team anytime oh. soon. You're just not a believer, Matt. Not a believer. Oh, I'd love to see it. It's just the yeah. practicality of it. I mean, I'd love to see. I'd. I'd like to see Toyota. I don't mm. think Toyota's interested anymore, but I'd like to see Toyota. Pull their finger out and come back to Formula One. You're like the world's yeah. biggest car company. Bar none. Yeah. Act like it. And make a return to Formula One, but on the caveat that you run a lineup of Timo Glock and <laughs> no. Yano Truly. Oh, even truly though both train? of those two are like 48 years old or something. Getting the Truly train back in action? Ooh, nah, man. fuck that, man. That was, that Bring was their back lineup Giancarlo in 2000. Fisichella in that case. He never drove for Toyota. Oh, Timo, Glock's only, Timo Glock's only 40. Oh, he's got it in him. And I think Truly's a bit older than that. Yano ah, Truly's son is driving in 48. All right, so if we bring Toyota back for 2026, Yano Truly will be like 52. All right, and now he'll be 51 and Glock will be 43. I think that's a winning lineup. That's getting them the ship. I reckon that is a winning lineup. So. All right. All right, Matt. You claim to be an intelligent person. Doubt. I've heard you claim this many times. You say, oh, Deshaun, I'm smarter than you. Oh, I'm so smart. Oh, if, if only I tried at anything in life, I'd nail it because I'm really smart. That's what you say. Yep. Now. Bold of you to assume I'm going to try at this quiz. Probably won't. But you can't, you can't keep falling back on that sword, brother. Excuses. I can. Excuses. Until it until it actually kills me, I'll I'll fall on it as many times as I can. Excuses are damages to the to the uh, something. I don't know. Right, but we have a little bit of a quiz. How closely have you been following the Formula One off season? And I guess oh, just this isn't going to go well. No, it's not going to go well. But I'm looking forward to you getting nothing right. Now, question number one: What number does Nico Hulkenberg's car sport in F1? Is it the same as his old number? 
I'm not going to tell you that. I mean, I don't know what he's okay, holding. The options are 17, 27, 21, and 77. Oh, you're not allowed to. You have to give me the options. You can't, if it's a multiple choice quiz, you've got to give me yeah, the Yeah, I know. Choices. I just did. So it was 17, 71, 77, and... 17, 27, 21, and 77. Well, it's not 77, because that's bot-ass. Mm. 17, that's 21, 27... It's big bot, mate. I think... Is it 21? 21 is your final answer. Yeah. Wrong. It's 27. Alas. Close, but no cigar, Matthew. Not a bad yeah, effort. Yeah. Um, You're right. Well, obviously, yeah, but, um, 27 on, I should have been able to make that mental image. <laughs> yeah. Uh, recently. Disappointed. One of the Formula One teams released an art car livery, which was unveiled on Tuesday, in fact. Which team did so? Haas, Alpine, McLaren, or Alfa Romeo? Haas. Haas? You're locking that in? This is an art, not not their actual livery. This is a special oh, artistic okay. livery. It's an artistic livery. So Alpine, Haas, Alfa Romeo. And McLaren. McLaren. The options. Um, Alpine? Tut, tut, tut. Incorrect. It was Alfa Romeo. A graffiti-inspired art car. It actually, it looks quite nice, I will say. I'm a fan. Also, they're sponsored by Stake, which is the stockbroker I choose to use whenever I have money, which is very rare. Now, question number three. Matt! This one you'll get. Doubt. Which of these drivers made it to the final of the Race of Champions? Mick Schumacher. Correct! <laughs> <laughs> The other options were Valtteri Botas, Sebastian Vettel, and Mika Hakkinen, which would have been a fun little curveball. I believe Vettel was the only other one that was in it. Mm. Lost out to Matthias Ekstrom, unfortunately, on the ice of Pete. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going Peter Havsbard in Sweden. Seems like a decent guess. Yeah, it's fair shout. Thank you. Uh, question number four: At which track did Alpha Tauri drivers Nick DeVries and Yuki Tsunoda recently shake down the ATO2? Was it Imola? Fiorano, Monza, or Magello? Well, that's just rude. It can't get... Well, it's not... I'm going to gonna assume it's not Monza. Mm -hmm. And probably not Imola. Oh, actually, no, I'm thinking too Ferrari-esque. Because mm -hmm. um, Magello's Ferraris. Fiorano would be... I want it to, I want it to be Fiorano, Fiorano, just for obscurity. So I'm going with Fiorano. All right, let's see if you are correct. Ooh, unlucky. It was Imola, which I'm actually quite surprised at. It At least I narrowed it down to the right two. I'll take that. And, and, and to be fair, Fiorano was the second most voted for answer in... Uh, Imola, because yeah, Monza would be a weird one for them to test out, because it's an official circuit on the calendar. Indeed. Well, as is Imola. Oh, true. And you're like, McLaren, McLaren are out there testing in Barcelona and Mercedes are Yeah, no, no, that's France. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I just don't, I've just never heard of people testing a car at Monza. I don't know whether Monza's a track you'd want to test a car at. It's a bit... No, it's very specific, isn't it? Mm. All right, um, question number five. We're, we're, we're halfway there. Um, living on a prayer? Yes. Alfa Romeo have appointed whom to be their team representative? Alan McNish, Andreas Seidel, Alessandro, Alani Bravi, and Andrea Stella. 
<coughs> oh, excuse what me. What the fuck's a team representative? No idea, but that's that is the question. Team rep is it Andrea Stella? Andrea Stella? You're locking Andrea Stella Artois? Oh, I don't even really know what, but I've heard. I, well, I know Sido. I don't believe Sido went anywhere. Unless I did Sido go somewhere. There was a lot of uh, mixing and matching. I don't believe it's Seidel. Okay. Um, and then, unless this is different to Team Principal, I know Andrea Stella did. I think it's Andrea Stella. Andrea Stella? Incorrect. It was Alessandro Alani Bravi as their team representative to assist Andrea Seidel during the 2023 F1 season. So Seidel is indeed at... Their team principal. Alessandro. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, definitely wasn't Alan McNish. I'll tell you that. Do you even know who Alan McNish is? No. Sad. Who is Alan McNish? Alan McNish is a very successful, pretty sure, Scottish. It sounds Scottish. Um, GT, GT racer like Le Mans. He's a Le Mans winner. There you go. Had one of the most famous Le Mans crashes of all time. No. He is indeed Scottish. But yes, he's a very, very good uh, endurance endurance racer. Alright. Three time Le Mans winner. Now. Was part of the Audi powerhouse in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Oh, look at this guy with the memory on lock. Big brain plays from Matty Hume. That's why we keep him on the podcast, people. He's got the goddamn brain for it. Also also made 17, uh, 16 starts in Formula 1 in the 2002 season. Oh, King. Toyota. This week, which team boss said this? This is a complete, this is going to be a complete guess. We have to put everything together to do a good job, but we have everything to win. F1 is a changing world, and we just have to be focused on the job, on the performance, and everything is possible. Was it Toto Wolf, Christian Horner, Fred Vasseur, or the aforementioned Andrea Stella? Let's go with... So who the fuck is Stella? Oh, Stella's McLaren, isn't he? I'm going to assume it was Toto. Mm. My second guess would be Christian. Okay. Oh. Just sounded like a very posh thing to say. It was neither. It was Fred Vasseur. Oh, that was literally my last guess. Mm. There you go. Oh, Matt. You're one from six thus far. Oh, Can... I've made no pretenses. I've not kept up with the offseason in the slightest. Can you bring it back here? Which F1 champion will drive an experimental NASCAR stock car in the 2023 Le Mans 24 hours? Is it Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button... Fernando Alonso or Jacques Villeneuve? Well, it's not Alonso. I don't think it's Kimi. An experimental stock car. This is a wild story. I'd be very surprised if it's Fernando because he's still in F1. I mean, Jacques Villeneuve seems like the... Mm, mm, I'll go with Villeneuve just because really? he's the one I know does that kind of stuff. I feel like I would know if Barton was doing them on this year. So I'm right. going with Jacques Sunday. The fact that he's 51 years of age? That is not an issue in motorsport categories outside of F1. Fair enough. That is not old. That is not old. All right, I'll give, you, I'll give it to you. It was not, indeed, Jacques Villeneuve. It was Jensen Button. Uh, I'm really good at getting it down to the correct answer and something else, and then mm. picking something else. Yes. He will be driving with seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson. 
Oh, for fuck's sake, I actually did know this. Oh, Matt. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you got to start drinking coffee. Your brain Because just... I, I knew it from the Jimmy Johnson perspective. I knew Jimmy was doing it used to be. And he'll also be driving with his Australian Lamont winner, Mike Rockefeller, in a modified Chevrolet stock car. Oh, you love to see it. Now, question eight. Which two teams are hosting team launch events in New York City? Mm. New York. Haas, AlphaTauri, Alfa Romeo, Mercedes, McLaren, Red Bull, or Ferrari. Which two teams? I like how you basically... I was just given everyone but Alpine. Yes, and Williams. Oh, yeah, Williams is a team. And one other team. Oh, I want Williams to be with Porsche, going back to that uh, original engine discussion. Oh, I knew man. I was forgetting someone. Concrete jungles where dreams are made. Haas makes the most sense, but... Who fucking knows? Um, Alpha Tauri, because that fits with the oh, Paris. I mean, respectfully, do I fucking care? It's not about whether you care. It's about how intelligent you are. And so far, you're not intelligent at all. <laughs> uh, I think this is a shaky at best way of gauging intelligence. <laughs> shaky. Let's go with Haas and McLaren. Haas and McLaren. All right, the two most American teams on the grid. Solid logic. I see where you're going. It's nice. Unfortunately, neither of them will be in New York. Red Bull and for no Ferrari. No way. Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Yes, it's Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Both oh, going. See, to okay, I that's a that's a yeah package deal. Okay, man. See, I was gonna go with the Afatari logic because I was like, yeah, New York fashion and that. But then I was like, Paris would make more sense or Milan. Oh, um, Milan. Yeah, look, it makes sense. Afatari with the whole fashion thing with their fancy jackets and whatnot. I see what you're saying, but alas, question nine, nearly done. Haas were the first team to launch their season, as in uh, delivery. They did so on January thirty first with a car that we shall talk about more in future. Not today, because you know, we're going to wait until more of them have been released to evaluate all of them. But which team is set to be the last to release their livery, Matthew? Lucky last. Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Red Bull, or McLaren? McLaren. McLaren. You reckon McLaren are going last with the little papaya boys? Wrong. It's Alpine. Classic Alpine behavior. Ferrari launched their new for 2023 car on February 14th. But what project number does the car have? 775, 75, 675, or 750? 12. Not an answer, actually. Uh, well, it's what I'm going with, so that's unfortunate. You're going with 12? All right. Yep. The bold take of picking none of the possible answers, giving you zero chance of success. I'm going to put down 675. Oh my god, and I'm correct. It's 675. I'm a genius. Oh my goodness. So, Matthew, in your quiz of 10 questions, you got one right, and I got one right. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the quiz section. You got work to do, Matthew. Does it, though? You got work to do, brother. All right. Well, I now have a quiz for you. Oh, no. How well it, uh... What is this? What is this? This looks like... Let me... I need to... I need to gauge... How piss easy this is. You know what? There's one... Okay, there's a couple. You should... I. This is an easier quiz than what you've given me. Okay. So I'm expecting at least a few correct answers. I reckon okay. 
for it to be a at least a set, I want at least half out of the crowd. This is a how well do you know Max Verstappen? Oh wow! <laughs> so if you don't get at least the first question right, then that where was Max Verstappen born? Was it Germany, the Netherlands, Austria, or Belgium? Oh shit! I don't think it is the I don't think it is the Netherlands. Uh, I'm gonna go with Belgium. I'm locking in Belgium. Oh, <laughs> he's done it! Ah, yeah, the boy. That's an insane pull. Well Cash. done. Who Cash was Max money. Verstappen's first F1 teammate on the grid? Carlos Sainz, Daniil Kvyat, <laughs> Jean Eric Verne, or Jaime Aljaswari? Jaime Aljaswari. You fucking idiot! It's Carlos Sainz. Oh crap! You talk about this literally all the time. I really do. Damn In it. which year did Max Verstappen make his F1 racing debut? 2014, 15, 16, or 17? He spent like, what, he spent one season at Toro, or half a season at Toro Rosso, and then it was straight into Red Bull. And then what, won his debut in Spain. Uh, I'm going to go with 2016. It was 2015. Crap! He spent a year and a half in a year the, and a half. the Toro okay, Rosso. Right. Okay, okay. In which country did Max Verstappen score his first F1 points? Bahrain, China, China. Malaysia, or Australia? He score his first F1 points. Uh, what were the, the, uh, the... Bahrain, China, Malaysia, Australia. Pretty sure that means he scored points within the first four races of the year. He did. I'm pretty sure that's the first four races of the calendar back then. Ooh. Ooh, I don't think... Aw, oh, he's a pretty talented boy. I reckon, you know what, he came out the gate strong. I'll go with Australia. It was Malaysia. Piss off. Why? Classic. Which driver did Max Verstappen replace at Red Bull? Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo, Daniel Kiafiat, or Jean-Eric Verne? Jean-Eric Verne. Kiviat. What? Kvyat got sacked halfway through a season and replaced by Verstappen. I thought they were teammates for a bit and then Kvyat got kicked out. No! Crap! Kvyat got kicked out and he went to Red Bull to be teammates with Ricardo. Oh! Oh no! Oh no! You're... wow. In which country did Max Verstappen win his first F1 race? Malaysia, Mexico, Austria, or Spain? Spain. Thank God for that. <laughs> hey, I've already got two rares more than you, brother. In which... You've made way more embarrassing mistakes, though. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. In which country did Max Verstappen bag his first pole position? Hungary, Brazil, the United Arab Emirates, oh. or Bahrain? I'm... I, ugh. Hmm. His first ever pole. His first ever pole. I'm gonna I'm gonna go stab with oh I know he's got he got pole. No, he would have gotten a pole before. I'm gonna stab with Dago Hungary. He likes Hungary. I think it is Brazil, but you are correct. It was Hungary. Yeah! Ha ha ha! Back in the game, boys. Took a very long time for him to get a pole. Uh, it was quite the saga. Which of the following drivers has more F1 starts than Max Verstappen? Carlos Sainz, Ayrton Senna, Martin Brundle, or Ralph Schumacher? Which of those drivers have more starts than Max? Yes. Well, him and Sainz started at the same time, right? Uh, Senna, he was short career. 
Ralph Schumacher? There's no way it's Ralph Schumacher. He's trash. What was the fourth one? Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle. Oh, my God. The geriatric himself. Ooh. Ooh, 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 I... Mm, I'm going to go with it in center. It was Ralph Schumacher. Oh, my God. Ralph won a, Ralph's a Grand Prix winner. He was a good driver and around for a very long time. Uh, would you have guessed Ralph Schumacher? I thought it was science. I thought science started the year before, Max. Yeah, right. Um, and it was a trick question. But no, you're right. They started at the same time. Yeah, and so that's tight. I don't think Max has ever missed a Grand Prix. Uh, Max Verstappen made his first ever F1 appearance in FP1 in which country? <laughs> Soviet Russia, <laughs> Japan... The United State of Iowa or Singapore? Ah. Oh. The United State of Iowa is the USA. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. I was going to... If there was going to be a European option, I was just going to pick that one. But uh, there is no European option, unfortunately. What the fuck is Russia when it's at home? Ah, oh, mate. I don't consider Russia to be a country at the moment, actually. I'm woke, unlike <laughs> you are, clearly. What even is a Russia? What is that? It's some sort of... Is that a wrestler? Like, what What are you talking about? I thought Russia was your home country. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hilarious. Because all Eastern Europeans are the same, are they, Matt? Come on! Yes. All right, I'm going to go with Singapore. It was Japan. Ah, shit tits. Which of these records is not held by Max Astana? <laughs> okay. Youngest two-time champion. Youngest driver to start a race. Youngest driver to score a Grand Slam. Or most podium finishes in a season. Vettel was pretty young when he became a two-time champion. I oh, I mean, he's definitely got the podiums. Um, so it's between the first two for me in my brain. Hmm, there have been lots of young drivers around, but he was he was very young when he started. It's insanely okay. I will go with youngest two-time champion. You've used impeccable logic here. Well done. Because youngest champion of all time is, of course, Sebastian mm. Vettel, who won four straight titles. Yes! <laughs> and Max is infamously the youngest driver to ever start a race because he was 17 years old and you're no longer allowed to start unless you're 18. Nah. So he will always be the youngest driver to start a race. There you fucking go. You got four out of ten, so you just missed the threshold of expectation I had from you, but it's a decent showing. Decent showing? Hey, at, least uh, he the real, at least he showed up. The real, the real highlight, I think, is the born in Belgium. That was a Thanks. that was an insane pull. <laughs> the the big time disappointment, but you've disappointed me, which is what would have got you past that. Um, not knowing, not getting signs as his first teammate. Yes. And not getting that he replaced Kvyat. Those were the two blows for sure. Look, I've sh at least I've showed up. I've done a bit of a Raphael Nadal. I've rocked up and I've disappointed a little bit. But at least I'm I'm there. No, I'm at the table. You <laughs> love to see it. A fair, a fair effort from the both of us, I reckon. Shall we get back into the uh, the chat? Indeed, moving it back along. Now, the last time we were on the show, we spoke about how the FIA had sort of said that they were possibly going to be open to teams, a uh, new team submitting bids to join the Formula One grid. That has now been made official. They have officially opened the expression of interest for new F1 teams. 
And they have made the point in their statement to clarify that it is not just the FAA that holds power over this decision, that it is also Formula One ownership and the teams themselves who have a say and possibly the teams who hold a final veto in whether or not any new entry may come onto the grid. Because apparently there was a bit of heat on Mohammed Ben Suleyem after he sort of first had that statement of the fact the FIA would be open to hearing new bids and that, because he didn't apparently make it clear enough that the teams and ownership get a say or whether anyone joins the grid. And if there's one thing we know, it's that everyone within Formula One is really fucking petty. Yeah. It's basically a sport run by 15-year-old white girls. Yes. Mean girls. Shout out to Lindsay Lohan. Good reference. Oh, thank you. There you go. I, I was expecting good, something good for reference. that. Come on now. The great movie. Regina, Regina George. Ah, right? yes. Regina George. It's more than that, though, Matthew. It's more than that. It's more than just a team thing. There's more heat on Ben, on Mohammed Ben Suleim. It's growing. The heat is rising. So, allegedly... The Saudi Arabians, they want to buy Formula One. Entire, in like, all of it. So Shock. They want to add it to the growing sport portfolio. Uh, so the the public investment fund. So Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which is essentially the royal family's, uh, I don't know, what's, what's a uh, piggy bank, basically, uh, had tried and failed to buy F1 for 20 billion US dollars. Which is twenty eight million uh, billion Australian, which is you know a reasonable amount of money. To be perfectly candid with you, I wouldn't mind that. Nice, but uh, obviously they got, they got rejected with Formula One coming out and saying, or Liberty Media coming out and saying that yeah, you're way off the mark. Sorry, lads, um, you're gonna have to do better than that. But Mohammed bin Suleyem, who's obviously heads up the FIA, and it must be insisted upon that FIA and the F one are different. Separate entities, they are uh, unique in and of each other. Uh, and Mohammed bin Suleim, he wrote, he, he tweeted out, he said that there was, inf- he basically publicly said that there was an inflated price tag being put on F1. And he said that publicly and then went on to say that, you know, people who are looking to make an investment into our sport, they need to, they need to have the right kind of, they need to apply common sense, they need to consider the greater good of the sport and come with a clear, sustainable plan, not just a lot of money. But that pissed off the F1 because they, legally, the FIA cannot do anything or say anything that would potentially impact upon the F1's kind of system, their their money, their undertakings. And basically they implied that in saying that publicly, he had drawn the ire of the F1 and kind of shed light on, on, on the business dealings going on. And so now there's just... The F1 hate the FIA and vice versa. And it's it, it's a bit weird. Do you think Mohamed Ben Suleyem is in the wrong here? Do you think he's kind of, I don't know, like conflict of interest or whatnot? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Like if, if F1... If Saudi's looking at buying F1 and that and he's making comments that he thinks the price of F1 is inflated in that, then, you know, that's... It does seem a bit a bit suspect... Uh, he's been an interesting character ever since he took took office. It's it's an interesting one. Um, sort of unrelated though. Do you wanna do you wanna hear um, the car collection that he owns? I'd love to hear Mohammed Ben Suleim's car. All right, he has uh, a Konenzeg Agera RS in blue carbon. 
a Koenigsegg Regera in burgundy carbon with gold wheels, a Mercedes-Benz CLK GTR Supersport, one of only five ever built, uh, a Mercedes-Benz CLK GTR Roadster, uh, chassis number six of six ever built, a Ferrari F40, a Ferrari F50, an Enzo LaFerrari, a Porsche 911 GT1 Vision, which is the, um, that's a, that was like Porsche's purpose-skill Le Mans race car of like the late 90s, uh, a Porsche Carrera GT, a 918 Spyder, a McLaren P1, a Senna, and two McLaren Speedtails, a Pagani Hoira, a Bugatti EB110 SS, a Veyron and a Chiron, a Jaguar XJ220, a Lexus LFA, a 2005 Ford GT, a 2017 Ford GT, and multiple Rolls Royces, including a Phantom and a Cullinan. So he basically has everybody's hypercar garage on Forza Horizon <laughs> uh, and some Rolls Royces. He is the most Saudi Arabian man in history. Okay. <laughs> I don't know Also 14 that. times FIA Middle East Rally Champion. Yes, he's a former rally driver. Distinctly mid. He was in um, Dirt 2. Really? The craziest timeline for me. He was one of the like rivals characters in Dirt 2. That's sick. Fuck, shout out to Mohammed bin Sulian. But yeah, Liberty Media, who obviously own the F1 currently, uh, bought it for $4.4 billion back in 2017. So there's been a bit of inflation since then, Matt. Nah. <laughs> Um, but they, they hit back publicly saying that there had been a dramatic escalation in the strained relationship between F1 and the FIA that has been evident during Ben Suliam's 13-month presidency. So this, there's clearly no love lost between the two bodies. And I don't know, like, what kind of impact does that have on the sport if, you know, the actual sport itself and the body who governs the sport don't see eye to eye? I mean, it's not great. Um, you really do need them working in synergy as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I kind of just dislike all parties involved <laughs> in this. I think the FAA is possibly flexing muscle in a way it shouldn't. As a governing body, you exist to make sure the sport is run. Like, you know, the same issues with FIFA and stuff like that. Like, you exist to just ensure the sport is played within the regulation and things like that. You're not the star attraction and things. You should be almost anonymous in the background, ideally. Yeah, and just do your job. Um, none of these thing bodies are in that, be it the FAA, FIFA, UCI, which is cycling's governing body. All of them are just shit. Yeah. Um, buddy, what the fuck? The ICC? Is that the That's the one? one, the ICC. Buddy, you know, the... Don't get me world started Cups, on the ICC, uh, brother. You know, um, yeah, the ICBCC. I, I do think, though, that the, the amount and level of drama has somewhat increased since Suliam took over from Jean Todt. I don't remember the... I agree. ...this much drama when... when Profusely. ...in charge. Well, because John, I think John Todd was more ingrained with F1 because he came from F1 rather than coming from a different aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, and then I mean, like the teams in F1 itself, like F1 loves to play funny buggers and it annoys me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teams, like if when these bids get submitted in that, 
if there ends up being good evidence that some of these bids are like solid bids which have really good legs to work and the team shoot them down i hope there is serious fan backlash because yeah the whole situation and however it progresses i just want a drama drama free f1 like a i want the only drama to be like the actual title fight itself the on-track stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good yeah, on-track yeah, yeah. drama. The racing to take precedence. I understand. Well, look, Liberty Media, they own Sirius XM, a broadcasting company. So they know how to prevent, they know how to present drama. It's probably all just a bit of a statement. <laughs> Sirius XM. Sirius XM. Presented That's by amazing. Liberty Media. They also own the Atlanta Braves. Fun fact. So, there's that. Sebastian Vettel has come out and said the rally drivers, the WRC folks, don't get enough respect. Yeah. And he is goddamn right. Yep. Rallying cripplingly underrated. Oh, it's, it's, in, it's crazy. Uh, under, not underrated, sorry. Undervalued in the broader landscape of motorsport and where it's seen as the pinnacle on that. WRC is probably the hardest. I honestly, the rallying is the hardest form of motorsport. It is, even even compared to like motorbikes and that, mm-hmm. well, but it's one thing to go flying around a purpose-built racetrack in a Formula 1, even a street circuit in a Formula 1 car with all the safety technology and everything and barriers that are properly designed to absorb the impact of a car and everything in that. Rallying, you're just hurtling through a forest and if you fuck up, you wrap your car around a tree and it's not possible to build anything that's designed to not be able to do that. If you wrap your car around a tree, you wrap your car around a tree and it's out of your hands anymore. Yeah, because you probably would have lost your hands. Uh, quite possibly. Is that a Robert Kubica reference? It wasn't, but it can be. <laughs> So I thought that was a cool comment. Sebastian Vettel just continues to be, like, the coolest man in motorsport. Mm-hmm. But on a related note to Sebastian Vettel, um, his favourite not-actually son, Mick Schumacher, along with finishing runner-up in the Race of Champions, and obviously his work as being a uh, Mercedes reserve driver, he has now been announced as one of McLaren's reserve drivers. I love for this. <laughs> this season. So he's going... Who else was doing... Someone else was doing this last... Was it Piash? No. Someone else last season, I feel like, was reserve driver for a couple of different teams. Hulkenberg. Maybe it was just Hulkenberg. <laughs> um, but he's going the route. Multiple options. So there's multiple different teams on the grid now where if they have someone go down, uh, Mick could end up filling in. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's also it. like... It, it, it's good, obviously. Like, Mick... To, for him, personally, to have as many chances as possible to get back in the sport and have a chance to show his worth, absolutely, is fantastic. It also kind of it shows the, the link between Mercedes and McLaren, I think. Yep. Somewhat. That is, you know, is reserved for both. But also, it's always McLaren. DeVries. It was DeVries. Ah, yes, of course. it was Because DeVries was Mercedes' reserve driver, but then he raced for Williams. Yes. Because yes. they use a Mercedes engine. Yeah, of course. It's just McLaren always. It's like everyone's like, okay, we have our reserve driver. It's this guy. You know, he'll he'll step in if needed, and then if if that doesn't come out, you know, then fuck it, we'll get Nick DeVries in. Sure, but McLaren they always want to have like they have this pool of reserve drivers every year. It's crazy. Like yeah, everyone who's everyone who's contracted to McLaren 
might be used. Yeah. Alex Palou is in there as well. And frankly, I'd rather see Alex Palou get a shout than Mick Schumacher if it comes down to it. Um, last year they had, oh, jeez, obviously Piastri. But I think Stoffel Van Dorn was still listed as a reserve driver. I think Jolien Palmer was listed as a reserve driver as well. That's Piastri getting COVID in the middle of the weekend and, like, McLaren just, like, rocking up in IndyCar, pulling Palou (laughs) out of the seat of his Ganassi IndyCar and just being like, you're coming with me. (laughs) That would be fucking sick. Palou's, like, midway through the St. Petersburg Grand Prix, like, half a lap in front or something. McLaren's just like, nah, mate, you got a fucking box, box, box. Zach Brown then knocks out um, Chip Ganassi, gets on the radio. <laughs> box, box, box out like you're fucking, you're flying to Monaco. Let's get on it. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I reckon Zach Brown would beat Chip Ganassi in a fight. I reckon that's fair. Oh, Zach Brown could be a steal. I don't know if sure. I assume Chip Ganassi is a big boy himself. I am correct. Mm. I reckon that's a, that's a big horse fight that we'd all like to see. It's going to go on the Formula One fight card. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what, there's a thought, Formula One overdue to do uh, a boxing card. <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus. Um, uh, I yeah. think Max, Max Verstappen is Floyd knocking the Ganassi fuck out Jr. Lewis Hamilton. I think Toto Wolff is knocking out Christian Horner. Wait, you reckon Verstappen's knocking out Lewis? Yes, I really? do, I do, absolutely, Really? I, do. I see, I feel like the common consensus would be that Verstappen would be a fucking pushover and something like nah, that. Man. Verstappen, he'll, he'll bring uh, brass knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> or something. He'll Max bring... Verstappen secretly aligned with William Regal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh shit. But yeah, no, I think it's good. I think it's good for Mick Schumacher. It can only be good for his career, and and we'll see if he actually ends up getting the opportunity. Uh, I think it should just be Mick Schumacher made to be reserve driver of Formula One. He's just <laughs> the reserve driver. <laughs> So, uh, I, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but he's yeah. just no, oh, no. They should bring that new in. Formula One should just appoint a reserve driver, and that's the first cab up if anyone else can't. He's just there at every race weekend, and he's there to fill in for whoever is needed. But what if there are two teams who need a reserve driver? We've seen that. Happen. Well, that's where you then call on your own reserve driver. Oh, after I that. see. So the F1, they're not just nailing down like a list of reserve drivers in a in a certain hierarchy that come up if needed. Oh, that that could work as well. Mm. But I just like the idea of Mick being the reserve driver for the whole sport. Yeah, fair shout. Fair shout. You just you're just desperate to see a bit of big dick Mick back in the sport. I don't know if it'll ever. Uh, happen. I don't know if it'll it'll ever happen, man. I don't know if it'll yeah, ever we'll happen. have to we'll have to uh, wait and see. Ah, yeah. But as we muddle muddle back on, let's Muddling. jump over to Formula Two land. Yeah. Where Jashan, exciting times. That's my name. Our grid has been finalized. Ah, yes. So when we last spoke to you, uh, we were at a stage where I believe Dennis Hauger had been confirmed at MP, Fred Vesti and Ollie Behrman at Prema, Ayumu Awasa and Arsa Leclerc over at Dams, Duan and Cordiel at Virtuosi, Nassani and Benavidez at PHM Racing by Charouz, which is easily the best team name on the grid. But the, uh, worst, grid. Novelak, but, 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 but the worst team, it should be said. Yes. Clement Novelak had been uh, confirmed for a return home to Trident. Van Amersfoort had confirmed for sure, and Juan Manuel Correa in Campos, Kushmani, and Ralph Boschong. Well, we now have that second-seated MP, and the lineups for Carlin, ART, and Hitech Jashan. Yes. They are as follows. All of them have gone exactly as they were. Zero surprises. They Literally would. zero Jehan surprises. Jehan is that second-seated MP. Boring. Carlin has rolled out Fittipaldi and Zane Maloney. Lit! 
Uh, ART has rolled out uh, Porsche and Victor Martins. Solid. And High Tech has rolled out Crawford and Hajar. Underappreciated now, and also lit. Now, we know for a fact that both of our favourite lineup is Carlin. Yes. Well, no, I thought I thought Prema was your sneaky favourite lineup. Best. No, it's still uh, Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi and Maloney are probably. Ooh. My two favorite drivers. The on clouds the are building up. Uh, it's between that and Virtuosi. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh, of course, Kamari Cordiel and Doolin. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Cordiel might be my favorite driver yeah. on the grid. Lean now. into it, bro. Let, <laughs> give me. Let me have so, Colin to myself, and you can be a Virtuosi boy. So my question to you is. Yes. Outside. Well, okay. I'll have two questions. Of the two fully announced, new fully announced lineups, because Derivalo was a half a line announcement, we already knew what we thought on Hauger. Are you more excited for the Virtuosi, um, sorry, the ART lineup of perennial bridesmaid Teo Porsche <laughs> or reigning F3 champion Victor Martins, or the all Red Bull high tech lineup of uh, Jack Crawford and Isaac Hadjar? Well, uh, judging by my uh, previous responses, I it's obviously it's got to be high tech. I love this. I love this lineup. Fascinating. You're more into the lineup that has choke artist Isaac Hadjar. Yes. Um. I I think I think ART are solid and are definitely probably title favorites coming into the season with Porsche and and Martins there. Uh, I think I think they're a known commodity. I think you know they'll they'll get a certain amount. Of you money. reckon they're title favorites? I do. I do. You're the reigning F three champion. And you've got Porsche, the guy who kind of has to win, frankly. Title favorites. I'd say so. Title favorites. I, I'd I'd put them as the bookers' favorites. I but I think I think high tech are a team who it could either go bang up really well for them or it could go fucking terribly. Like these two kids, like you mentioned, Hadjar's obviously got the talent, but he did choke it up a little bit towards the end of last season, and Crawford has shown glimpses. They're both Red Bull affiliated, and they both got that support. They've both got mad talent. If they can put it out there and, and, and you know, Hightech can give them a decent package, it could go really, really well. Or they could both choke, and they could both be a bit found out. You know, that Red Bull Academy system, it's, it's just a tad competitive. Obviously. Uh, I think I think these two, Awasa as well. These two are in huge danger of being. It's uh, yeah. I think there's a real risk that the heavily. four established drivers are about to get absolutely slapped around by the two new kids on the block in the Red Bull Academy mm-hmm. in Fittipaldi and Maloney. It's particularly nice. particularly Maloney. I think we both think Maloney is. Oh, he's a beast. Is the fucking future. But so now, uh, for, for you, Red Bull you threw... drivers, we have three teams who are completely Red Bull, and we've also got Awasa who's Red Bull. So there's seven Red Bull kids on this. Oh team. my god, Deruvler is still. No, I don't think is Red Bull anymore. No, oh, he's gone finally. He's, oh, pit, he's well, not he's, wearing the jacket yet. His picture, his picture is just a normal overall, so right. I think he's probably been let go. Well, thank God Virginia for program, that. Which is fair enough. Uh, but he is an extra, so it, it may, it almost is. Um. But which lineup are you most excited for outside of Carlin? On Roden Carlin, must be said. Roden Carlin, yes, indeed. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I am excited for high tech, but I, I think, honestly, a sneaky dark horse pick, I've got to go with Trident there, Stanek and Novelak. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. I think of the backmarkers, 
Obviously, Campos, I think, are the firm favourites. Actually, no, sorry. PHM Racing by Sharoos, who uh, have yet to announce their livery. So I... their website is just a silhouette. I think their odds on favourites to come last. I think it's going to be a hot fucking contest between Campos and PHM. By Sharoos. So who comes last, because... I reckon Boshong and Nasani offer about as much as each other. Mm. Boshong's not looked the same ever since. He could come back, but Bo- ever since the um, the concu- was it concussion stuff he had last year? Yeah, not concussion. He had some sort of uh, he had a condition. He's not looked as strong as he was at the back end of 2021 and the first half of last season. And then, yeah, Benavides and Miney are both just a fucking lottery for if they can produce anything. So I think it's a hot fucking contest for that. Yeah, he, he had facet syndrome. He had neck pain. Vashore is good enough that he will carry VAR to not being in yes. danger of finishing at the bottom. Agreed. They'll be third. I like your, I like your pick of Trident because Novelak screams real, um, like coming, coming, change of scenery. He, he change of scenery vibes. So the, the old change of scenery in F2 boost. You come in, everything goes wrong. You switch teams, and you bounce back up. And a minimum, you bounce back up to being more solid, a la Marcus Armstrong. Yeah. Or you bounce up into very solid contention, a la Nikita Mazepin. Or he's also got the vibes of the coming home boost, a la Felipe Drogovic, who went back to MP and won the title. So, yeah, I think Novelak should do a lot better this season. And I think Stanek is an intriguing prospect of the, yeah, it makes sense he's here. He's definitely good enough to be here, guys. He's probably got the least hype, the least intrigue around him. Like he wasn't huge on him coming in, but not, he's, he I'm has not, a few good results in F3. But that's the thing, he's not, he's not produced at the level of Maloney, Martins, Behrman, Crawford, Hadjar, Leclerc. Oh, he's around the same level as Crawford. Crawford's got more hype to him. Yeah, that's fair. But yes, you're probably right, he actually is pretty similar. I'm trying to think, yeah, no, he probably is actually similar to Crawford. And he's probably similar to where Leclerc appears to have regressed to mm-hmm. in the very back end of last season. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you do, and there's not going to be any pressure on him at Trident. Trident no. aren't a team that expects huge results in the F2 level. They're obviously one of the F3 powerhouses, but at F2, they've never been truly up there with the likes of Carl and ART, Prema, and Dams, and Virtuosi. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a good shout. I'm going to stick with my answer that it has been the whole way through. Yeah, here we go, boys. I crazy. think it's Prema. Because I am so high on Ali Bama. I mean, my answer is also Colin. I think looking at it, that's the most talented lineup because I don't think I'm putting Maloney as the better driver on that team. Is I think that, and I don't think he's necessarily as good of a best driver as say Bearman, Doohan, maybe Porsche. Mm-hmm. But I think he's very very close to them. And I'm happy to take Fittipaldi over Daruvala, Victor Martins, Fred Vesti, Crawford, definitely, Leclerc, Cordiel, Benavidez, whichever one who turns out to be second from that, Kushmani, Correa. But then beyond that, I think I think I'm narrowly giving the edge to Prema because I think I like Vesti just a little bit more than I do mm-hmm. Daruvala, Martins, and Cordiel. Fair. <coughs> But it could be a really good season. Like I think we're already looking at guys I could genuinely see winning this title. 
Hauger, Fittipaldi, Maloney, Porsche, Martins, Vesti, Behrman, Owasa, oh, yeah. Doohan. So that's what, two, four, six, seven, eight, at least nine guys I could legitimately see win the title. So and it's not out of the realms of possibility for Daruvala, Hadjar, Crawford even. Uh, I, maybe, I think, it, I think it's out Leclerc. of it for Daruvala, but yeah. You know how I, I think Daruvala's got a better chance. Uh, he's always teased. Like, yeah. He could do a real, like, there's no pressure on me. I've got so much experience. Yeah, but no I'll win a meaningless title. That, oh, no I don't want it to happen, to but I'm just saying the fact that we've got that many drivers no, who don't even be speak it into possibility. Yeah, the crit, the um, and then obviously the man who is actually going to win the championship, Amari Cordial. The only the only way this grid could get any saucier was with, you know, Greg, Greg Saucy, Saucy. actually on the grid in place of one of the other pack marks. That is quality stuff. Thank you. I'm a quality man. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, some couple of, couple of big things to mention out of F3 as well, because I've gone and had a look. Still a few drivers left to be announced. Uh, PHM by Charouz hasn't announced anyone yet. And then uh, Carl and Campos and Hitech also have one seat to fill. But there's some prizes. No Franco Colapinto at VAR, which has no, caught me off guard. They've got with Villa Gomez and Kyle Collette. Yeah, because he's moved up in the world. He is joining Mari Boyer and Johnny Edgar. Change of scenery for Edgar. That could be good. At MP. So, yeah, he has potentially moved up in the world. Not crazy. I think... I think if the fact he's chosen to leave VAR or they've let him go, I'd be lying if I said anything other than I am a little bit disappointed that Colapinto has not landed in Prema Trident or ART. It's fair. I think he's good enough. He, sh- he should have been in one of the three truly title-contending teams. So it's a little bit underwhelming. So watch out for this solo kid, because he looks like an absolute gangster. My goodness. <laughs> I reckon. Look at this guy. Um, also, Sebastian Montoya has been named mm. for high tech. I'm very excited to see what he did. He him and, kid. him and Goethe were the two who really, really impressed me in their fill in stints uh, in I believe the Campos uh, last season. Yeah. Uh, for a few races there. So there's a lot to be excited for obviously that you know, Premier lineup of Aaron Bogatovich and Sullivan, I think that's really good. Interesting. So there's there's some real good ones around. Yes. Curious to see what some of the Genza guys can do as well. So uh, Genza. It's also worth noting that Carlin, the the new signing Oliver Gray is a Williams Academy boy, and Williams are yep. really investing in their academy because they actually signed Colapinto. I don't know if you saw this story. Who have they? Yeah, Colapinto is now Ooh. a Williams driver academy boy. We've got a lot of the best guys. This is this is nice to see. We've got a lot of. A lot of the really good free agents who are no longer being left as free agents. I'm glad to see that. So three Williams Academy guys on the grid are Sullivan, Colapinto, and Oliver Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Williams are out here bulling. They're, they're building up their academy. I think, you know, apart from Jack Thorne being there, I'd, I'd say it's arguably better than the Alpine Academy because Kai Collette's been very disappointing. Oh, I guess they got Martins oh. as well, who's yeah. decent. But yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd probably put Montans ahead of any of the guys in the Williams Academy. But, fair, 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 fair. but otherwise, I don't think there's too much more. We've rambled for just under an hour and 20 minutes. Indeed. Uh, so about an hour and 10 minute podcast, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a pretty good link. But I'm going to guesstimate we'll be back end of Feb 
to either preview preseason testing mm. or just after preseason testing. It's the very, very end of Feb, possibly the episode out. Yeah, and chatting some March. swag, mate. Chatting some liveries. But, yeah, actually, you'll probably be back just before preseason testing to chat the liveries, preview preseason testing, and then we'll be getting yeah fully into our season preview content in early March. ROTG4, baby! Until then, um, find us uh, on Instagram at Online Hub Media, on any good podcast player. Yes. I have been Matt. Yes. He has been Jashan. I'm Jashan. I'm Jashan Borsvay. Together, we have been Rear of the Grid, slash, I guess, F2 for you. Well, a little hint of F2 for you at the end there. And until next time, Pocky Song. I've got to say, you know, the Red Bull and AlphaTauri both showing pace. Yep. That Honda engine was yeah, purring oh yeah, like was. a goddamn lioness in heat. <laughs>